you know, I think the thing that's really great about birding as a sort of a, a pursuit or an interest is that it does keep you busy for like your whole lifetime. Hey, it's Jesse Dukes, editor for Curious City. We got a question from a listener asking about the best spots to go birdwatching in Chicago. And it turns out there are a lot of options. You might not realize it, but Chicago is an incredible place for birds. Because it seems unlikely, you know, because uh, it's a city. This is Judy Pollack. I'm the president of the Chicago Audubon Society and uh, active in bird conservation locally. Judy has been birding since the 80s, and as she explains, Chicago is perfectly placed for migratory birds. During migration, you know, there's this big river of birds that's going right up through the middle of the country. And so Chicago is like the closest city to it. And so we really have some of the best migration anywhere. Over 250 species of birds migrate through Chicago each year as they head north and south to breed in winter and warmer climates. As a result, there are world-renowned places to go birding in Chicago, including places like Montrose Point Bird Sanctuary and Jackson Park. But we were curious about less well-known places, so we actually asked you, our listeners, and Judy was just one of several who responded. Judy spoke to reporter Andrew Merriweather about one of her favorite unexpected places to see birds, a stormwater retention area in a northern suburb, Northbrook. It's behind a hotel. This is Techney Basin, and we're in the part of Techney Basin that's north of Willow Road. And... We're surrounded by housing developments, a former landfill that's now a golf course, and parking lots. But because of construction and a dam built by the Water Reclamation District, it's become an excellent feeding spot for shorebirds who need shallow water. So you've got, you know, all this stuff like silt that might be running along with the water, and then it kind of drops out here and it makes these big, big mudflats. And so the birds love them. A great birding spot behind a hotel. Maybe not what you'd expect. So in this episode, we are going to explore other surprising birding areas and create a guide with some tips about how you can go bird watching, either in a place you've never been or somewhere close to home. Coming up, reporter Andrew Merriweather shows us where and how to look. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Check, 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 check. Okay, uh, it is around 5.40, and I just arrived at the Ford Calumet Environmental Center. And I'm at Big Marsh Park, a sizable wetland close to the Indiana border, and not far from Calumet. Pretty excited. Uh, just had my coffee, so I'm feeling pretty awake. And yeah, it's, it's really beautiful out here. Um, I can already hear some birds out there, as well as some crickets, some frogs. So I think uh, hopefully we're gonna we're gonna see some stuff, um, and I'm excited to bust out these new binoculars. 
I'm here to meet an avid Chicago birder. Hi, I'm Woody Goss. I'm on the board of Chicago Audubon Society. And we're here at Big Marsh to go birding. And the sun is just coming up, I think. Those were cedar waxwings that you were maybe hearing the high-pitched little... Yeah, the little... Yeah. When I reached out to Woody about going birding, he recommended Big Marsh for a couple of reasons. The first is that it's August. The exciting migrant is the shorebirds right now in Chicago. Shorebirds you either see on the lakefront and you have to get there before anybody else or they get scared away. Or you can go to like a small handful of places that might have the right water level. And uh, this is one of those places. The other reason is that Big Marsh is a little more off the beaten path or what Woody refers to as an underbirded area, a place less crowded than, say, the popular Montrose Point bird sanctuary on the north side. So that's our first birding tip for you. If you can, try going to underbirded places you're not used to going to in the city. One, I like the quiet. I like not having to be social and just walking around, not thinking about the things we think about all day. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. We eventually make our way to a small clearing next to the marsh, and Woody begins to set up his scope. Okay, so this looks like serious business. Here. <laughs> These things are great. They're expensive, though. The scope is this big, powerful telescope on a tripod and can bring birds right up close, even at very far distances. There's some shorebirds out here. Even the lesser yellow legs, what do you know? So this is a good, ex- this is a good uh, example of what birding's like. Right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you look through the scope and you'll see a bunch of silhouettes. Birds that I couldn't even see with my naked eye before suddenly seemed as clear as if I was watching a nature documentary. Oh, wow. I feel like I'm seeing stars for the first time or something. This is really cool to, to look through this telescope. I could see the distinctive spots on their feathers and the length of their beaks. I was completely captivated. Oh, there's a big guy flying through now. So how does a place like Big Marsh, a massive park full of birds, end up being an underbirded place? Chicago is a very segregated city in a lot of ways, in like race and wealth. And so a lot of birding people are going to be living in in the north side of Chicago. And a lot of birding people are white. So if there's a place in the south side that will be an underbirded place. We'll talk more about birding and race in a little bit. For now, though, let's focus on what you can do if you don't have a car or the time to go somewhere far from your home. Chances are there's a place to go near your neighborhood. I live in Logan Square and was pleasantly surprised to discover that there are unique birds just a few blocks away which is how I ended up hunting for nighthawks in Humboldt Park. My name is Edward Warden. I am president of Chicago Ornithological Society, and I guess relevant, especially tonight, co-founder of the Chicago Nighthawk Project. We are working with volunteers to try to identify areas where common nighthawks are found in the city, and then from there try to figure out how can we best conserve them in this urban environment. It's kind of confusing, but nighthawks aren't even hawks, technically. 
They don't look like hawks, they don't sound like hawks, they don't act like hawks. Totally different thing. They don't have talons, they're much smaller, and they hunt for bugs, not small mammals. Honestly, if you've ever seen a bat at night, it's very similar. It's very kind of erratic, floppy-looking movements that's moving really, really fast. And they have these enormous mouths. I mean, they ridiculously, like, Muppet-like mouth uh, that opens wide enough to basically let anything down there. Beetle, moth, butterfly, ant, you name it, it all goes down the hatch. So they fly at high velocity um, and just chase after their insect prey and gobble things up whole. That type of hunting is called hawking. Hawking, that hunting behavior, that's why they're called nighthawks. And because they come out at night. The first place that Edward took me to find them kind of surprised me. We stood next to a boisterous Little League baseball game. People were yelling, music was playing. It seemed like the total opposite of where you'd try to find wildlife. But Edward explained it had everything to do with the lights. If you are actively trying to hunt for nighthawks, go to the light. Um, anywhere where there are really large floodlights, especially in sporting areas like ball fields or other kinds of, uh, you know, public parks or gaming areas, because you're going to find insects gathering and potentially nighthawks going after those gathering insects. Edward says he's even seen nighthawks at White Sox games. If the game is slow or things are not happening, I'll just look up at the lights and often see bats and nighthawks. Sadly, though, we didn't spot them at the first location. So we kept walking and made our way to a quieter field where the floodlights were still on. We keep chatting and looking when Edward suddenly hears one. Yep, there we go. That was one over here. That's a kill here. One over here just called. That was clear. He leads us behind the pole of the floodlight so we can get a better look. We wait... Oh, where are you, buddy? That's it. That's a nighthawk right there. Yep. Cool. Nice. Nice spotting. Check it out. So you see on the wings there how it has those white stripes coming across the wing? That's a really great diagnostic right there. Then a second one joins the first, swooping in and out of the lights as they snatch flitting bugs and dash out of sight. It feels incredible to catch them at this moment. To see something that... On any other night, I wouldn't have even thought to look for. So, a second lesson. We think that birds are wild animals that we're more likely to see closer to nature. But nighthawks actually thrive in cities, where our artificial lights create a buffet of bugs. You know, you spend an entire season, a year, mostly in one place. And birds, in a lot of ways, mark those seasons. You just you start noticing in the spring, you hear the songs. In the summer, you've got your nighthawks, right? In the fall, things change. And birds, more than any other organism, really mark that visibly and auditorily for people in a way that no other really uh, aspect of life does. Another lesson from this trip? Go birding with somebody who knows about birds. Sure, you can buy guidebooks or download apps to identify birds, but somebody like Edward or Woody, who you heard earlier, can teach you a lot. And they both do bird walks around the city. Coming up, maybe you don't need to go out with fancy equipment. Or even go out to go bird watching. That's next.
Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I'd never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. If you listen in Chicago, there's so much birdsong. There's so much birdsong. In fact, I have to close my windows and close my bedroom door or else they wake me up every morning at 5 a.m. I'm in the apartment of Mia Park, who lives right by the lake in Uptown. And though she loves to go birding in Montrose Park across the street, she's also found a way to bring the birds to her. I keep this plant by the window so the birds think that there's nature on the inside. So I have a little pathway here. I take a scoop of birdseed and I pour it right on the window. I actually like to pour it as close to the windowsill, as close to part on the windowsill where the window is because then they hop up here and I can see them better. Now, so you put out a pretty good spread. I do, and I try to push it out so it doesn't smash under the window so they can get all of it. And then we hang out and we wait. So if you'd like, you can have a seat over here. Okay. Do you want your water? There's a large tree outside the window. And we can already start to see some sparrows gathering on the oh. branches. Oh, here he comes. See, here comes a little... Oh, here oh, they come. There's a couple of them. There's, there's, here oh. they come. So we have to be still because they can see us. One time a bird did fly into my window and I felt awful about that. Ugh, but that was only once. So it's kind of like a... It was a hard call moving into this building because I was like, ah, oh, the rules are strict. I can't hang anything out of the window like a bird feeder and I don't have any outdoor space, but I'm so close to the lake. Let's see how this goes. So realizing that I could like sneak bird food out on my windowsill and get the birds to come to me and not get squirrels has been like a wonderful solution to being here in this building in Uptown. See, there's a oh, cutie. Do you see that little house sparrow right there hanging out? Mia has been birding casually for many years. For her, it's a way to stay connected to the natural world, even in Chicago. Just having like this little magic of a brown bird coming to sit on my windowsill and eat, it feels timeless. Like you can be in the city with millions of people and noisy garbage trucks and like crime and violence and all these things. But one little brown bird coming to my windowsill to eat feels like it balances all that. So a lesson from Mia, bring the birds to you with a bird feeder or just a little bird seat on your window. And another tip, join a group. She frequents birding walk groups around the city, and she's part of a Slack group for BIPOC birders, where members post sightings, information, and all sorts of fun projects. Oh my gosh, here's this app. So a person of color created this app during the pandemic. And it's kind of like, do you remember when there were those like Tamagotchis that you took care of in the 90s? It's, yeah, except they're baby finches. Mia says having a birding group for black, indigenous and people of color is important for ensuring birdwatching in Chicago is inclusive. Because unfortunately, and especially in parts of segregated Chicago, um, the outdoors is not always a welcome space for BIPOC. 
So when we get together, it really makes us feel like a belonging to the space. And it, it's kind of a, a safety and a comfort to be in that group together. That sense of safety and belonging is also important to another member of the group, George Garcia. I guess I kind of realized that uh, being a, a, a brown person who is birding and walking around, um, like sometimes it, it might be contentious, and I've certainly had my moments of that, but uh, maybe that's enough reason to also do it. Maybe I can inspire others to also take it up. When Curious City put out a call to folks to send us birding spot recommendations, George was one of the first and sent us tons of gems. But he's actually only been birding for a few years. But I've been kind of dedicated to it where, like, I'm kind of out there every day. I bring a camera every day. Like, wherever I am, I'm birding. Uh, And so then I begin to notice kind of like those, like, weird areas where I might experience more birds. Such as alleyways or random spots off the lakeshore path. George uses his daily commute and bike rides around the city as opportunities for birding and exploration. It's been that, just noticing the hot spots where I might run into birds, and if I'm passing through, I'll make a pit stop, and I'll take 15 minutes. It slows down my day, (laughs) but it's worth it, and it's a lot of fun for me. Which brings me to our final lesson. Birding can be anywhere you are, whether it's at Big Marsh, stadium lights at a baseball game, or your windowsill. You just need to stop, look, and listen. That was Andrew Merriweather. Thanks to all of you who sent us suggestions and photos of your favorite birding spots. In this episode, we took some of your suggestions, along with some from friends of the show, and created a digital guide to birding in Chicago. You can check that out at wbez.org slash Curious City or text BIRD to 312-312. That's B-I-R-D to 312-312. You may have to wait a day, but we'll send you the story when it's ready. Thanks to Woody Goss for letting us use his music. Curious City's audio producers are Joe Dassault and Jason Mark. Maggie Civet is our digital engagement producer. I'm Jesse Dukes, filling in for Alexandra Solomon as editor. Curious City is supported by the Conan Family Foundation. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you.